0: This is the show with Cannon Brown. Hello, folks. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Cannon Brown, and this is the show called The Show. And I'm your host, Cannon Brown, and this is The Show. It's been a little bit, okay? I'm a little rusty. I'm getting back into it. I've got the mic in my hand. Um, I've currently got my dog trying to play fetch with me as I'm recording this, uh, so if you hear her just going nuts on some toys, just don't mind that, okay? Just, I'm in the background, so th- there's stuff going on. Hey, uh, it's been a little bit, and I've got some updates for you. I've got quite a few updates for you. I'm living in Connecticut, yeah. I'm living in Connecticut, okay? I'm a New England boy now. That's what I consider myself. Uh, And I talked to Colby Cummings the other day, past guest. And when I told him this news, he said, you better not get one of those Boston accents. And I said, I'll try not to, okay? But, um, I mean, if I just turn out to be wicked smart uh, all of a sudden, you know, and me and my boys go watch the town. I, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm awful at uh, Boston accents, actually. I've never tried it. My, my, my go-to accents are Canadian um, and Australian and British. But when I start British, they always end up Australian. So I mainly stick to Canadian if I can. Um, and I consider myself a, a true northerner. I've watched enough um, Letterkenny. I've watched enough Out For A Rip, that music video. You're a real one if you know that song. Look, just just YouTube Out For A Rip, for me, okay? Check it out, please. Watch enough of those to where you can kind of pick up that northern accent pretty easily, but this New England one, I'd I'd kind of have to try a little bit harder, but Yeah, I'm living in Connecticut, my girlfriend Faith, my longtime girlfriend Faith, we've been dating for about three and a half years, if you didn't know, I've been dating this gal, Faith Hasher, uh, for about three and a half years now, almost four, Um, and she just got into law school up here in Connecticut at Quinnipiac, Quinnipiac University, she got into law school, her first day was yesterday, and... She, she found out that, that she got accepted in the beginning of July, so it's just been a mad dash, guys, and it's been stressful. I, I don't know how many of you guys have traveled across the country in a month's time, because that's what it was, but it was wild. I mean, just trying to find housing, figuring out what we could take, selling all of our shit. I got rid of some good stuff, guys. Some good stuff, but I didn't get rid of my mic. Didn't get rid of my laptop. Hell, didn't get rid of the dog, didn't get rid of the cat. Had to make room for those suckers. You know, I mean, they're they're the good companions, so we want to bring those along, but a lot of stuff uh, got sent to Goodwill. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I funded the local Goodwill in Tucson for the next quarter. Uh, we really helped them out in terms of furniture and, and in terms of just little minute things, it, You come across when you're packing up boxes and boxes of things, but we're pretty young. Well, we didn't have too much stuff, so um, she's like, yeah, what do you think about Connecticut? And I'm like, let's do it. I'm not afraid, you know. Right out of high school, I went to Wyoming. I didn't know a single soul in Wyoming. I just got a call from a judging coach that I didn't know, and he said, hey, man, we got a spot up here for you sure let's go to wyoming and it worked out i met some of my best friends there some of some of the friends that i met up there you've heard plenty of times aka tyler pickenpaw he's been on a couple times you might have heard of him shout out to tyler pickenpaw by the way he's having a hell of a county fair season uh, go like Paw livestock for me if you will so yeah life updates i'm living in Connecticut. Um And here's the deal, I've got a couple things to say about Connecticut, all right? Will you indulge me here? I've got a couple things to say about Connecticut. It might just be New England in general, but what's up with all the Dunkin' Donuts, okay? There's, I don't know how to quantify this to where you guys understand if you guys haven't been up here, but there's, there's a million. There's a million Dunkin' Donuts. There's literally you can drive down a highway and there's one on one side of the road and then right across the street there's a Dunkin' Donuts on the other. You go two miles down, even a mile, and there's Dunkin' Donuts. Well, eh. I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. I don't mind Dunkin', okay? But it's just, it's just coffee shops too. I mean, are you, are you serious? The Dunkin'? That's, that's what you got. I mean, I, heard, I always heard like East Coast, you got uh, some, some good eateries. You got some great places to get food and drink. No coffee up here? We got to go to corporate America for the coffee? Dunkin' is corporate America, guys. Uh, that's one of the most corporate you can get in terms of donuts, in terms of coffee. If you get donuts, hit up your local spot. Or get some crispy dang cream. And I know they're not crispy, okay? I know they're not crispy. Dunkin' Donuts, that's one of them. Second, don't tell me what to do with my damn dog when I'm walking her down the street, okay? This, (laughs) This goes out to all the New Englanders that think that they know so much about my damn dog and how I should walk it. Here's the deal. The temperature here, it's been about, 75, 80 degrees. A lot of humidity, I'm not used to the humidity, guys. I, am, I, I come from Arizona, if you didn't know that, it's a dry heat, okay? We get here, it's about 75 degrees, I get out of the car, I'm like, dang, it feels really good. You pick up one box or you just go up one flight of stairs and you're just sweating. It's like you took a shower, it's, it's awful. So, the temperatures here are, are, are pretty calm compared to Arizona, but the humidity. And my dog is used to walking on 90-degree pavement. I mean, not when I, I I didn't make her, but you know what I mean, okay? I don't have to explain myself to you guys. You understand. My dog's paths are fine. She's been walking in the Arizona desert since she was a baby, since she was born. She's been living in Arizona. So when I'm walking my dog down the street, and it's 75 degrees out, and she steps on on the asphalt, and somebody yells at me, "Don't let your dog step on the asphalt; it's bad for their feet." It's seventy-five degrees. It's taken a lot for me to not cuss right now. I'm trying not to, but like, it just fires me up a little bit. I'm like, "What are you doing? Don't tell me, don't tell me how to walk the damn dog. Stay in your lane." It's like people up here—they really like telling you what you can and can't do. That's that's what I've learned so far. People are kind of in your business a little bit, and it's not the first time. I mean, we were walking our dog, and somebody just—our dog wasn't even going to the bathroom. Somebody was just walking by and said, "Hey, make up you pick, make sure you pick up after her, bitch." What? Nah, no. Don't come at me, please. Don't. No, 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 no. We are, we are simply walking our dog, having a good time, hand-in-hand hand embraced. We just moved here from Arizona, okay? And you got to tell me before my dog even squats to pick it up? I've got a bag in my pocket. It's hang- The bag, the, the recyclable bag. Recyclable bag, the biodegradable bag that I bought on Amazon. The roll of bags that I bought on Amazon is hanging out of my pocket. I mean, it. It. it what makes you think that I'm not going to pick up after my dog? Okay. And here's the deal, guys. What What's so bad about not picking up after your dog? I mean, I know it gets a, little, gets a little wild sometimes. I mean, you don't want everybody to not pick up after their dog. But can we just call it fertilizer at some point? Can we? Can I go out on a limb and say that manure is decent for the soil? And, and maybe stripping it of every single nutrient. And, um, I mean, just uh, you'll let the dogs piss on it whenever they want but God forbid they take a squat and add a a resource to your yellow lawn. God forbid, okay? So, So those are the gripes, those are the only gripes that I have about New England as of right now. I mean, I had a lady honk at me twice this morning. Okay, I have one more gripe. This lady honked at me twice this morning. I was taking faith to school um, and we're all, we only got one, one rig right now. We had to travel cross country, it's a whole big deal. We're finding her a new car, we're trying to find a decent one. So, I'm driving her to school this morning and I'm sitting at a light and it turns green and I literally, I, it turns green I start going and the car behind me honks. I, I'm, I'm already going and it honks. I'm like, okay, well maybe, maybe their hand slipped. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. We get to the next light, I'm taking a left. We have a green arrow. I simply take 0.5 seconds because on a green arrow, you want to make sure for the kids that are listening at home, this is a little driving advice, green arrow, you're taking a left. You don't want any of those cars that are maybe want to slip through that red light. They're trying to get in a hurry. You, you Take a little easy on those green arrows. So I take a little 0.5 seconds, make sure everybody stopped at the light. They are. I start going. She honks again. She honks again. Now, I don't know if that's a thing up here. I don't know if they like honking at each other. I don't know if it's a, hey, um, this isn't meant to be disrespectful, but this is a little motivation. I don't take it as that, okay? You're going to honk at me. You're going to catch these hands. And she caught a middle finger from the window, okay? I I unrolled my window, and she caught a middle finger. And I don't give out the middle finger a lot. But if you're going to honk at me twice at a green light when I'm already driving, what's, what, are you, what are you doing for yourself? So I might have gave her a middle finger. I might have got behind her a little bit. Rode behind her a little harder. I might have got in her same lane. I might have pulled up right next to her and gave her a really dirty look. Okay? These are all hypotheticals. These are all alleged. Okay, I got a girlfriend in law school. I know what to say. Allegedly, I did all these things, but you're going to honk at me twice when I'm already driving, and I'm, I'm trying to be safe here, just atrocious, so other than that, I, I'm loving it up here, I mean, uh, other than that one lady, the people up here have been really nice, I mean, we're we in New Haven, Connecticut, it's the uh, pizza capital of the world, this is, uh, this is where pizza originated, guys, in America, and um, if you would have asked me that in trivia a month ago I would have told you that you're wrong (laughs) there's no freaking way Connecticut is the pizza capital of America but yeah um, this was where the first pizza shops were it's called the constitution state the constitution state I had to google why it was called the constitution state guys why am I having a hard time saying that Constitution State. My lisp comes out sometimes when I'm talking to you. Do you know why it's called that? I had to Google it. It, it. Connecticut was one of the first states to to actually have an an article, an article, an articles of kind of confederation type deal. It was like in 1690 something. These 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 suckers wanted to be independent quick. Damn Quakers up here. If you're a Quaker out there, I like you, okay? I got a Quaker right down the street from me. There's a big church. I'm not saying anything bad about Quakers, okay? So, yeah, Connecticut, uh, it, it's, it's been a little bit of a culture shock, um, but it also has been a very cool experience. I mean, it's so green and lush up here. The, the people have been just outstanding. We're, we're, we're living right on a river. We're right on the Quinnipiac River. I've never lived on the East Coast before. We're about an hour and a half train ride from New York City, about a two-hour train ride from Boston. I mean, we're in the thick of it, guys. We are in the thick of it. And I'm gonna try to uh, hit up some of these county fairs up here. If you're if you're from up here, if you know anybody up here that's livestock-minded, that that maybe raises some livestock or. Or they've got some, or, or maybe they have a farm or something. I don't know. I want to know them. Okay, I I'm trying to find more livestock folks in this area because I don't know any. I know like three, and they're all in New York. So, you know any? Uh, if you know any New Englanders that that are into livestock up here, into some ag show livestock, let me know. I'm I'm gonna be going to these county fairs up here in the, throughout this fall and see if I can find anything. I'll keep you guys updated on the quality of stock up here. Um, my bar is low. I'm going to be honest. My bar is very, very low for the quality of stock up here. And I, that just might be biased, but I've never heard of any barn burners up in the <laughs> New England area. There's a, there's some good ones in New York, but in this Connecticut, Mass vermont new hampshire main area i don't know maybe some good cattle i know there's really really good dairy cattle up here but hogs and sheep i don't know yet. do they even show goats up here i might be naive i don't know inform me if you know more about this please so yeah um freaking connecticut so i just i i had to give you guys that update um as you can tell this this episode is a little bit different from my other ones. Um there isn't going to be an interview in this one, so if you've been if you've been waiting for an interview here, I apologize. Um but no, not, there there's not going to be any more uh it, or there is going to be more interviews going forward, but this episode is not going to be an interview episode. So just wanted to give you guys a life update. Um because I think you guys deserve it. And I haven't posted uh, a podcast in a little while. So um, it's important for me to to let you guys know what's happening. And, and if I'll try to post more on social media as well. So I've got some other news. Um, I've just got some news that I've kind of come across that's kind of intrigued me um, throughout the industry in the past week or so. Uh, you guys... If you guys have been listening to the podcast, you guys know my history. I've been a butcher for since I was like a junior in high school, cutting meat on and off, blah blah blah. Um, and I think the meat industry is pretty cool, and, and the development and the expansion that it's been going through has been pretty crazy. So let's let's just touch on a couple of these articles that I found, a couple of these news, um, newsworthy, newsworthy type meat industry articles, okay? Tyson Foods is planning a $200 million Amarillo expansion. $200 million Amarillo expansion. 143,000 feet, square feet, my apologies for all the construction guys out there. 143,000 square feet, uh, and it's gonna be added to uh, their existing beef complex they say it's mainly going to be for um, kind of the operations floor. It's going to go to that uh, percentage of the funds is going to go to helping the efficiency, but also a large percentage of the funds is going to go to incentivizing their employees. Um, they're giving uh, expansion on their uh, on their locker rooms, on their cafeteria. Uh, I think they're expanding on... Um, the break rooms as well. I, I I think they're trying to show more appreciation to their employees, and say, hey, this isn't all just about killing beef here. We got to make sure that you guys are happy. And I'm proud of Tyson for doing that. I mean, I know I know Tyson and and, it, and the Big Four and whatever they they get a bad rap and they should, but. Uh, they're the only—they're—they're they're the ones doing it right now. And until we have um, some legislation that, that counters that, they're all we've got. And they do a great job and a, and a great efficient job. And, and to see them pouring money into uh, the employee experience—that's that, great news, guys. Because that shows me that, yeah, they want profits, but they also. Uh, more and more of these larger companies are, are seeing the benefits and keeping their employees happy because if you don't keep them happy in, in 2022 and going forward, they'll just go home and, and sit on TikTok all day and they won't do anything. And they don't care. And some people just don't care to, to not do anything. So I'm happy that Tyson Foods is, is expanding their operations floor, making that more efficient and also putting a large number of funds Um, into the employee experience. Uh, Some more news out of Amarillo. Um, Governor Greg Abbott announced that a $670 million dollar state-of-the-art beef processing facility uh, is gonna go into Amarillo and it should be finished by 2023. So the company is called producer-owned beef, LLC. LLC. And, and what this company is, is producer-owned beef is is the country's only producer-owned beef processor. Uh, it's got a bunch of families, a bunch of farmers that that are tied to this company. Uh, and they they just got approved to build this $670 million, $670 million processing facility, which uh, I think is absolutely absolutely incredible um, we are able to see more and more companies get into this industry that aren't the tyson that aren't the jbs that aren't those big companies and the fact that we see this company being approved uh, to build this state-of-the-art beef processing processing facility is absolutely incredible um, and i didn't know how much beef comes out of the panhandle guys do, do you know of cattle fed in the United States comes from the Texas Panhandle region. 28%. That's a quarter. I mean, that's more than a quarter. You guys know math. I don't need to tell you that. A quarter of cattle fed in the United States comes from that region. And I wonder how this processing facility in these other processing facilities, I wonder how that percentage is gonna change. I mean, that, that might just become a hub. Uh, Amarillo might just say, hey, this is, this is our deal now. I, th- I think that, I mean, I read an article that said the mayor came out and said, this is part of our culture, it's a part of our history. And to have a mayor say that, that's, that's a lot of support. That's a, lot of su- that's a bunch of support for the cattle feeding industry and especially an industry that is not just so catered towards the big four, you know. Some more good news out of the meat industry. Uh, Senator Johnny Ernst and Ben Ray Lugin. Uh, Johnny is from Iowa. Ben is from New Mexico. They've introduced a bill called the Expanding Meat Processing Act of 2022. And it's aimed at allowing livestock auctions to work with small and regional packing plants. It's a freaking no-brainer. It is an absolute no-brainer. It's a the proposed uh, legislation. It's gonna be amendment of the Packers and Stockyards Act. Um, it's gonna kind of remedy those regulations that prohibit livestock market owners from owning and operating meat packing plants. So it's allowing these smaller livestock auctions, the local sale barn, stuff like that, it's allowing them to kind of partner with meat processing facilities and, and they can tie in with one another so that their overall success is tied with each other, which I, I do not think is a bad thing. Um, it's a bipartisan bill. Uh, they're hoping that it's going to be included in the Farm Bill and their ultimate position is that they think it will increase the competition I mean we've I've said this like four other times in the past 10 minutes but four processing plants control over 85 percent of the beef in the United States and that's Cargill Tyson Foods JBS and National Beef four processing plants control 85% of the beef in the United States. Go check out where those companies are owned. Can can we check out the ownership on some of those companies? Because 85% uh, of beef in the United States, those should all be American companies, right? You'd think, right? Go give that a Google search for me. Let's get some let's get to some good news guys. National FFA. You guys have heard this. It's all over Facebook. National FFA record membership 850,000 plus students guys. Let's give a round of applause. In your car driving, doing work, chores. Give a round of applause to FFA, please. I'll do it. National FFA record high membership. 850,000 students. To be exact, it's 850,823 FFA members. Total of 8,995 chapters in the United States, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. That is so incredible to hear, guys. (laughs) That is, I mean, we. And and I know FFA doesn't always just equate to kids showing livestock, and I know that's the audience that I'm listening to, but FFA is FFA. And and the more that we can educate uh, the public about agriculture and about the best agricultural practices and, and debunk these myths that are going around that have been going around for decades, the fact that we are having more and more inclusion and more and more participation in these chapters, hats off to you. Hats off to you. And guess what? We've got an all-time enrollment of FFA. And you can't get a ag teacher to stay at a school for more than two years. Can we talk about that? Can we talk about this? We are at an all-time high for FFA enrollment. Kids want to be a part of this. Kids want to learn more. And maybe they just want to get out of their regular elective classes. Maybe they don't want to take um, arts. They want to take an animal science class. They want to take welding and and then they join the FFA because they're in the welding class or blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. Kids are seeing this as an opportunity. Kids in high school and middle school, mostly high school, are seeing this as more of a trade route. And we're gonna have to cater to that. 850,000 kids and wherever you look there's ag teacher jobs everywhere. Nobody wants to do it. And I'm not saying to those ag teachers that are listening right now that maybe have stopped in the past couple of years, I'm not saying you're a horrible person. There needs to be sanctions in place and sanction does, isn't the right word. There needs to be pay in place to where it's worth it for you to go to that job every single day and teach the future of this industry I can only speak from what I know maybe there's a world out there that I'm not involved in to where they can keep an ag teacher forever but I'm constantly being told and constantly asking my ag teacher friends hey how's it going how are you doing blah 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 I I, want to know how they're doing I want them to stay involved I want people that want to teach ag, I want them to continue to teach ag, and I want them to be incentivized by it. We've got, I'm gonna say it again, we've got 850,000 members in FFA throughout the country. We've got the students, guys. We have the students. We've got the, the draw. We've got the kids that want to be involved. Now, We have to incentivize these teachers, these great agriculturalists, because that's what they are. We have to incentivize them to stay in the classroom and to not go get that industry job a year after teaching or two years or three years. We want these teachers to stay in in for the long haul. My ag teachers, and, and I'm not saying this to brag, I'm not saying this to do anything, I'm just saying this, my ag teachers... I was very lucky. I had two of them, Ken Johnson and Dennis Bashong, that had been there. Ken Johnson, my ag teacher, and Dennis Bashong had been there for my mother. They had taught all my cousins, my aunts and uncles, and they legitimately taught my mother, which was weird. That got me into some trouble sometimes because they also had the phone number of my mother. It wasn't just an email through the school. When I was acting up, my mom got a phone call from Mr. Bashong or Mr. Johnson and said, Hey, Cannon is an attention whore. (laughs) And I am. And I was. I was the kid in the class that had to make the joke. I was the kid in class that had to be the center of attention. Because you know why? You know why I had to be that guy? Because I'm funny. Okay, and everybody deserves to hear my jokes. <laughs> no, I, I, I should have been more quiet. But my point is, is I grew up with teachers, and maybe it was a different generation, but I grew up with ag teachers that they were in it for the long haul. And they were, it seemed like they were incentivized to be in for the long haul. And I know, I've got, a, I've got two friends that are, Ag teachers in California, two really good friends, Cody and Carl. Hey, shout out Cody and Carl. Can we shout them out, please? Just absolute awesome guys that I think would be able to teach ag for the next 10 to 15 years. And California agriculture has done actually – their organization has done a great job of incentivizing those teachers with the pay that, that would keep them there. Gosh dang. My dog just wants to play right now, guys. I'm <laughs> She's, she is attacking me right now with this toy. I'm trying to get through an episode, okay? Okay? So yeah, FFA, student enrollment's all-time high. If you come up with a way out there, if you come up with a way out there to keep ag teachers involved, reach out to me. I'm not going to be able to do anything with it, but I'd love to know the answer. I mean, I, I would love to go out there and lobby for it. Can I do that? Can someone tell me if I can go to Washington and just lobby for ag teachers? Is there some way I can do that? Somebody hire me to do that. I would love, love, love to speak praise of ag teachers in Washington, DC so that we can get them higher pay. Can we do that? Can somebody hire me for that? You know how to reach me, at the show pod, Instagram, Facebook, at the show underscore pod, you know, add me on Snapchat. I don't care, Canon 18, I think it's Canon B18, I'm not sure. But reach out to me. I mean, if you if you've got some answers for these, I'd love to know what your thoughts are. This is not just a one-way deal here. I don't need to just lecture at you. I'd like to know your guys' thoughts. Send me a Facebook message. I try to get to all those guys. I, I think if you send me a Facebook message, I've always responded. There's not one Facebook message that I have not responded to, or Instagram message. Okay. I think that's all I have for you guys. Um, Thursday, we're going to be on our kind of regularly scheduled uh, interview process. Um, I'll go ahead and just tell you who it is. Who it is. Cade Childers. Shout out Cade Childers. He'll, he's going to be on um, on Thursday. So I've been sitting on that episode for a little while. It's just been so busy, guys, and I I know I keep saying that every time I come back on after a month or so, but um, life is busy, and to sit down and sit down like this and kind of prepare for a podcast, it takes a lot out of me when I'm trying to move 2,500 miles away, so just understand that. we're gonna be back. I will be back for a regularly regularly scheduled episode on Thursday. Um, I hope you like this one. I'm gonna to try to do. I'm gonna to try to talk to you guys more, kind of just one on one. And I've I've got a ranting episode coming up, guys. I've wanted to rant about some things for for a long time, and I've got about six or seven topics that I want to rant about, and I'm excited for it. And I think you guys should be too. So uh, with that being said, if, if you listen to this 35-minute episode, whatever it is, thank you. You're a true listener. You're a true friend. Reach out to me on Facebook and um, just just follow all the social medias because that helps me out. That, that makes me look legitimate. So all right, guys. Thanks for all your support. Thanks for still listening when I take a hiatus. I love you. Bye.